The following audio is presented by Grace Church. For more about us, visit discovergrace.com or you can download our free app by searching Grace Church Orlando on your phone or tablet. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. Hey, Grace, it's good to be back with you guys. So excited for what we're going to be talking about today. Hey, I want to just take a moment and again, welcome you if you are online. We're so excited that you're here. Let me just say a couple of things about that. We know that you are not yet ready. Many of you are not yet ready to come back to in-person services, and that's fine. But I also want you to know that we're working really hard for you behind the scenes right now to add something to this experience to make it feel even more like you are just right here, right now with us in worship and in the teaching moment. So those upgrades and those things that are going to be coming will be coming in the next few weeks. Stay tuned for those. Now, today we're looking at a passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter six, verses five through nine. Now, by way of introduction, let me just say a couple of things. Number one, this is one of the most difficult passages in all of the Bible. In fact, when I first read it, it was terribly discouraging to me. So if you are hearing this for the first time, you might think to yourself, man, that is so outside of what I thought was in the Bible that it might be a little bit scary. But one of the great challenges of reading the scripture is that this is a supernatural book given to us over thousands and thousands of years. And one of the realities behind that is if you read it superficially, if you read it quick sometimes, if you just get there to try to get the main idea, you're gonna miss so much. Why? Because the scripture is rich in context. It's rich in understanding and historical context. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna spend some time talking about that because we're gonna be talking about the subject of slavery. Paul is working behind the scenes to undermine slavery in the Roman empire. But the entire empire, the entire Roman world is filled with slaves. So much so that at one point, one Roman emperor said, hey, I want to be able to deal with this and identify who the slaves are in the empire. And the entire Senate said, no, don't do that because there are so many of them that if we knew who they were, they could rally together and possibly topple the government. This was a normal realization of the early world. This is not just Rome. This is ancient Egypt. This is ancient Greece. It is all kinds of places that we would look back in history and go, these are the original and great civilizations. And yet all of them struggled with this great immorality of slavery. Now, I need you to hear me say unequivocally that slavery in all of its forms are an abomination wicked in every way, terrible, and without merit. But one of the things that is often misunderstood about the passage we're about to read is that some people look at it and say, well, here is an example of the Bible endorsing slavery, and it's absolutely not. In fact, if it wasn't for Christians, if it wasn't for Christians all throughout history, slavery would continue to be a thing today. Slavery was basically outward slavery was erased by Christian teachings, from Rome all the way to the Americas, to South and Central America, now even into Asia, all of these places practiced slavery. Now, slavery as an open practice is not a thing. There is still slavery in all parts of the world, but now it's hidden. And the reason for that is because Christian theology and Christian belief, the belief that every person was created in the image of God and and therefore has a certain dignity And therefore, we are to respect that dignity. That there is a kind of equality between persons, that one person is not greater than the next. These are Christian teachings. 
And so now I want to take a look at these passages if we can and try to make sense of what the apostle Paul was doing in the scriptures. All right, let's take a moment and read this passage. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if it were you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are a slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master, he's talking about God, their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him, with God. Okay, let's go back to uh, verse five and dive in here. Here we go. Slaves, obey your earthly masters, okay? Take a look at this. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. Now, I want you to think about that for a second because he's saying, listen, the people that you work for, the people that are over you, the people that have authority over you, whether you're a slave or free person, when we work with them, we respect them and we have a kind of fear. Now, this fear is not the word that you and I think of when we think of fear, which is a terror, a worry, or a concern. It is a, almost a kind of reverence, a deep respect, as if you're meeting somebody important. See, the very nature of Christianity is that there is an equality of personhood. And as a result, we both fear people, we love them, we respect them. We have a kind of awe about them. And Paul's saying, even if this guy who is in a position that he shouldn't be in, which is slave master over you, you respect and fear him. And I'm gonna give you an example and a reason for this in a little while that's gonna be amazing. And with sincerity of heart. Now, I don't know about you, but sincerity of heart, I can absolutely see the moment where I'm doing the right thing. Somebody says, you gotta do this. And we all have employers that ask us to do things that we don't particularly want to do. And yet at the end of the day, it's not about sincerity of heart or not. It's simply about them saying, you do this. And, and, and we think, as long as I do it, then I'm fine. But Paul elevates the standard for serving. And he says this, don't just do it. Don't just obey, but do it with sincerity of heart. What is Paul doing here? Because it certainly seems to, it certainly seems like he's promoting or at least accepting slavery. He says, with sincerity of heart, obey, just as you would obey Christ. See, that's the key right there. Paul is introducing a concept that will undermine the very idea of slavery in the Roman Empire. And that's this, that we serve Christ. In your job, you have certain requirements in your job. And those requirements you're measured on, right? You may get a bonus at the end of the year. You may get a, a raise at the end of the year. Your ability to be able to accomplish your organization's mission is what's gonna bring good things to your life. However, look at this scripture. It says, we do what we do with sincerity of heart. In other words, we don't just do it for one reason or another. We do it with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. And so what does that mean? It means what we do is first and foremost for Jesus. When I work, it's for Jesus. It's not for you. It's not for my kids. It's not for my wife. Those are byproducts. But my entire life, just like yours, is to please him for an audience of one. Do you know why? Because you and I, we belong to him first and foremost. And so if we have difficult circumstances on the outside of our life, 
we can have freedom on the inside of our life. He's saying it doesn't matter what you're required to do outside. You could be digging ditches. Man, I remember when I first be, uh, became a Christian, I was working construction and I was really young. And one of the things that you do when you start as a journeyman electrician is that you start digging ditches so you can lay conduit. It was a hundred degrees outside and we were digging in the sand. It was no fun. I didn't like it. I wasn't, I wasn't into it. I didn't want to do it. But I was doing it because I was taking steps towards Jesus. I knew that this thing I was doing here was eventually going to lead me to a place where I'd be better than where I was. But I'm going to do it for the purpose of what? Of obeying Christ and not just some employer. For some of us, we need to hear that today. Why? Because we have bosses that are just terrible. We have circumstances in our corporations that are just culturally terrible. And as a result, what happens? we can tend to be all dragged down because of that. But if you serve Christ first, if you serve him first, then those things won't bother us nearly as much. We can actually be set free in our hearts because of that. We're able to obey because Christianity teaches that we are people who have inherent dignity as image bearers of God. So what does that mean? We don't get our identity from what we do. We get our identity from who we belong to. And because we belong to Jesus, we have the ability to be able to treat other people fairly and the ability to be able to trust that even when we're not treated fairly, God is with us and he will, he will be with us and will never leave us. Our identity is not in what we do. It's in who we belong to. Let's continue. Charles Spurgeon says this. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, grace makes us the servants of God while still we are the servants of men. In other words, while we are servants of God, we also are servants of other people. It enables us to do the business of heaven while we are attending to the business of the earth. It sanctifies the common duties of life by showing us how to perform them in the light of heaven. This part right here, it sanctifies the common duties of life by showing us how to perform them in the light of heaven. What does that mean? It means that every single thing that you do in your life right now in your work environment is sacred. It means that everything that you do from the littlest task to the biggest thing, from the time where you're not seen by anybody to the time you're front and center, everything you do is first and foremost by Jesus. And therefore it's sacred, it's important, and it has value. Many of us need to hear that today because we go through our days and we think, man, nothing has value in my life. But really it doesn't have value if you believe you are working for the man or you're working for some other goal. And if you're working for Jesus, everything has value. Everything has dignity. Verse six goes on to say this. Obey them, so this is slaves. Slaves, obey them, your slave masters, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Let's take a look at this. Not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, right? What does that mean? It simply means this. Don't just do a good job when your employer is watching. Do a good job when he's not watching. Why? Because it's not about him. It's not about the company. It's about you what kind of person you are becoming. Because if you belong to Jesus, then all work is sacred. And if all work is sacred, everything you do matters. And so I do what I do to the best of my ability, not just for you, but for the sake of having that relationship with Christ, that he's pleased with me, that I know that he is for me. It says this, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ. It's interesting here because Paul uses this play of words. He says, you are a slave of Christ. The Greek word is doulos. 
and it means bond servant. And so here, when it said slaves obey your masters, it means bond servants obey your masters. So Paul uses the same word for slavery as the same word for being in relationship with God. He's saying that we are bonded to Christ in such a way that all that we are is his. He can do with it whatever he wills, whatever he chooses. And that's a beautiful thing because when you're in slavery, you're bonded to someone who will hurt you. When you are a bond servant of Christ, you are bonded to someone who will help you and give you life, make things better, open doors, encourage you. It will change things in a positive way. It says here that we are slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Now, why does he add again from your heart? Why does he want sincerity? Because to Paul, authenticity is a very important part of this because what we do is part of what we are becoming. And so if we are constantly hiding our true motives and how we feel about everyone around us, instead of being authentic and real about those things, then at the core of who we are, there is a lie. And Paul's saying to people who are actually in slavery, guys, you can be free in your hearts even if you're not free in your life. But that has everything to do with you being authentic, being real, being truthful about who you are. Colossians 3.23 says this, whether you're a slave or a free man, it says this, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So in Colossians, Paul expands what he was just talking about. He basically says this, you're not working for human masters. Even though he says, slaves obey your masters. He's saying, this master is subordinate to your true master, which is Jesus Christ. So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, right? In other words, be excellent at what you do. Don't give half-hearted efforts at what you do. Make sure that you figure out how to do what you do really, really well. Why? It inspires other people. It inspires you. Nobody wants to be half-hearted in their life. But we do it, why? Because we are working for the Lord, not for human masters. You will always burn out if you are working for just another guy, just another girl, just another person. You will always burn out. At the end of the day, however, you'll be empowered if you do everything that you do unto the Lord. If you live first with him in mind, because he will empower you, equip you, strengthen you, give you direction, opportunities. God does that. When you are being faithful, he is faithful to you as well. See, when we live that pretend life with pretend people around us, we foster pretend or superficial souls in us. And that's not what Paul wants from these slaves. He doesn't want them to just pretend to be right and good in front of their master, but he wants their hearts to truly give all of their ability to their work because it changes the person who does the work. He says this even more clearly in verse seven. This is what he says. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Serve wholeheartedly. Do everything that you do for the Lord first, but do it to the best of your abilities. See, Paul spoke against people pleasing more than once in the Bible, right? Why does he speak against it? Because if you wanna be truly free, then you can't do what you do just to please other people. You lose yourself that way. You become what others need you to be in the moment, never truly paying attention to what the Lord is doing in you. And that is slavery. So Paul's saying, hey, you can be a slave in your heart and your mind, 
or you can be a slave in your circumstances. One of those situations in the first century in Rome, they had, they had absolutely no control over. They were slaves. It was the situation. But they could control whether or not they were slaves in their hearts or not. Now, this is important because um, there's a story in the Bible. It's actually found in the book of Philemon. Philemon is a slave owner. And one of his slaves, his name is Onesimus, runs away. He doesn't want to be a slave anymore, as anyone would, but he runs away. And eventually he finds his way to Rome and he finds his way to the apostle Paul. In caring for the apostle Paul in his imprisonment in Rome, Onesimus hears the gospel and he becomes a follower of Jesus. And his life is radically changed. He serves with his whole heart. He gladly has bonded himself to the apostle Paul. But Paul says to Onesimus one day, he says, Onesimus, listen, we've got to figure out this thing when you ran away from Philemon. Philemon is also a Christian. You need to go back to Philemon, submit yourself to him because that's the rule of the day. That's the law of the day. The Bible doesn't endorse slavery, but the whole world at that time endorsed slavery. And so Paul's saying, instead of you hiding for the rest of your life, instead of you living in fear that someone's gonna catch you at any moment, go back, settle accounts with them. But he says, I'm gonna give you this letter and I want you to put it in the hands of Philemon. And so Onesimus obeys. He says, I'm gonna go back. He sees Philemon. He, Philemon looks at him and says, come in, hands him the letter. And this is what happens. The apostle Paul says, and he calls Onesimus. He says, Onesimus is my son. And the way that it's written, it means two things simultaneously. Number one, it means that he's become a son as Paul is a father in Christ. But number two, it means they're related now because conversion made them a family. And when Paul writes this, he says, he says, Philemon, I want you to receive Onesimus back. In other words, don't flog him. Don't do terrible things to him. All the things that you have the legal right to do, don't do them. Why? Because it's not what we as Christians do. He says, receive him as a brother. Now, you just need to understand how revolutionary this was in the first century. No one thought like this. In fact, when Christianity began to spread in the first 300 years of the Roman Empire, it was actually outlawed. And here's the reason why. Because whether it was Egypt, whether it was Greece, or whether it was Rome, the concept that you could build a civilization on grace and forgiveness and, and, and peace, the idea that you could give sympathy to someone who was weak was not a Roman idea. It was the strong take care of the strong, not the strong take care of the weak. That is a Christian principle. And so when Christians started doing this, people said, this doesn't make any sense. When someone's weak, you don't treat them nice. You try to strengthen them. So when Philemon receives this letter, he says, hey, receive him back as a brother. It was revolutionary. It undermined completely the system of slavery within the Roman world. And eventually, you know what it did? it eventually absolutely undermined the system of slavery in the Roman world. There were none. And then we move, Christianity migrates across Europe into the Americas, and this is what happens. Slavery was a big thing. And sadly, there were Christians who participated in the slavery of the states and in Europe. But they were unbiblically focused Christians. They didn't take the scripture for what it was. But it was the majority of Christians that moved slavery off the map for us. It now is just a thing that's hidden in the corners of the world. Everyone today knows that slavery is wicked and wrong. Why? Because of Christianity. 
Verse eight says, because you know that the Lord will reward each of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave nor free. Let me read verses seven and eight again. Let me read verse seven. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Verse eight says this, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free men. Whether they're slave or free. If you're a free person, you've got to serve the Lord. If you are a slave, you serve the Lord. Why? Because at the end of all of this, there will be a reward. Now, one of the things that we know about the apostle Paul is that he was a teacher, but he was a Pharisee as well, which is essentially like a lawyer. And Paul understood Roman law because he was a citizen of Rome. In fact, the reason why he's imprisoned right now in Rome is because he was beaten in another city and then he actually appealed to Caesar. So they took him to go meet with the emperor to plead his case. It's like the Supreme Court. And so at the end of the day, here's something amazing. Paul, understanding Roman law, understood this concept. It was a concept called manumission, right? It's an ancient idea of Rome, manumission. And manumission basically said that any slave owner who had a slave could free that slave at any given point they wanted to. And when that slave was freed, immediately they gained Roman citizenship. The only thing that held them back from all equal rights all through the land was that they couldn't hold office uh, as a first person liberated slave, but their children could. In fact, in the Roman empire, there were so many slaves that didn't look like what you and I imagine slavery to be. For example, it wasn't based on color. It was based upon all kinds of other things. But, but there were so many people who were slaves in the Roman empire that at one point in the Roman empire, they thought maybe we should identify these people in some way because you couldn't, you couldn't see them on the street. They all looked kind of like everybody else. Maybe we should just identify them. But there were so many slaves in the Roman Empire that the Senate said, no, we're not gonna do that. Why? Because they could rise up and realize how many of them there are and how many of us there are. Paul does this thing called manumission. He knows what manumission is. And manumission basically says that every citizen who owns a slave can set that slave free and then they can become citizens. But one of the things that frequently led to manumission, the freedom of slavery, the abolition of slavery in the Roman Empire was somebody who served really, really well. If you served a family with dignity and respect, if you honored them, if you did what was right when they weren't looking, if you showed people that you had sincerity of heart, you actually cared for the family in which you were indentured to. Those were the grounds to be freed. And there were tons of free slaves all throughout the Roman empire. In fact, many of them became wealthy landowners. They went in one generation from being a slave to being wealthy landowners. It was incredible. And what Paul's doing right now, when he talks like this, when he says, because you know, it's like, so we're gonna do our best, but we're gonna do it for the Lord because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do. I think Paul was looking towards this concept and saying, look, I want you to obey really well, first and foremost, so that you can be free in your heart. Even if you are never freed as a slave, even if your outward circumstances never change, you can be inwardly set free. Why? Because you serve a proper master, because you are bonded to Christ and his love for you is an unending love. That's why Jesus said, follow me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Guys, there are many of you right now that need to hear this message because you live not as indentured servants or as slaves 
but you live as slaves in your heart and mind. Because for many of us, we just do what we do all the time because we just feel like we're trapped. But if we feel like we're trapped, it's largely because not just our circumstances, because of why we do what we do. If you change the why, if you change the who you belong to, it changes the outward circumstances of your life as well. You may still not like the work that you do, but you do it now for a different reason. And when you have purpose in your life, when you have direction in your life, when you have a goal in your life, and that goal is Jesus, he will empower those goals. He will open those doors for you. He'll give you a next step that will be amazing. Now, the whole thing doesn't end right here. It actually ends with this next verse, right? So Paul is actively working behind the scenes to undermine slavery. Paul doesn't embrace it. He doesn't endorse it. He just realizes it is a fact of the law in the early Roman world. But here he turns the corners from talking about slaves to now talking to masters. And this is what he says, verse nine. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. See, this is common. Because slaves were considered property, you could do whatever you wanted with them. So people could hurt them, people could do whatever. Paul says, listen, if you're a Christian, we're gonna do things differently. You might have a slave, but here's the thing. They're not gonna feel like a slave. You're gonna treat them with dignity, why? Because every person created the image of God has dignity and that is a Christian teaching. It's what began the abolition of slavery across the world. And Paul's saying this, masters treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know, watch this, what's the reason for not threatening them? So they don't rise up against you? No, that's not it at all. What's the reason? Do not threaten them since you know that he, God, who is both their master, the slave's master and yours is in heaven. In other words, you have a responsibility to the people who are under you, whether they're slaves or in our modern world, they're employees. You have to treat them with dignity and respect. You have to treat them in such a way that they desire to work for you. It's not something that they do just because they're in front of you and you know, trying to impress you, but they want to work for you. Why? Because you see the value in them. You see the dignity in them. All of us want to work for a person like that. All of us want to be in an environment like that where equality of personhood is an essential component. And that is a Christian component. And so Paul's talking to masters right now. And he's saying, masters, make sure that you treat people with dignity because that dignity is the dignity that Christ has given to you and that Christ wants you to give to others. That he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Paul ends by saying simply this, hey man, you're in authority right now, but one day you will not be in authority. One day, the authority that is in heaven will be the authority that is only the authority. So treat people well now, honor them. And this is where things, where we get today, things like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a golden rule. It's what we do because it is Christian, because it's reflected in the very character and nature of God. We treat others relationally exactly the way that we want to be treated, not because it benefits us, even though it does, but we treat them that way because God has treated us that way. He's created us in his image for his glory and for the goodness of our life. That's how we're supposed to treat other people. So next time you hear someone say, the Bible embraces um, slavery, you push back and you say, no, no, no. The Bible, the scriptures, teachings of Christianity have actually liberated us from slavery, both in here and out here. Amen?
Amen.